my dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach, and as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Counter Melody. I'm continuing my Black History Month series, and I'm recording this on the 10th of February. What's special about this day? It happens to be the 94th birthday of the great Leontine Price. Leontine Price was my gateway, if you will, into opera. From a very early age, I was beguiled and spellbound by the beauty of her voice, her artistry, and her person. So, of course, as with everyone else, I salute Leontine Price today. But today's featured artist is someone that you may not have heard of, though she sang the role of Aida more than 300 times. I'm speaking of the Baton Rouge-born soprano Lenora Lafayette. Thank you. 
you just heard was a recording of Lenora Lafayette from 1953 in Munich. This was a radio recording for the Bayerischen Rundfunk, therefore she's singing in German. The performance is of the complete opera, which we are so lucky to have, as her recorded output is, let's just say, fairly slim. I first became aware of this singer when I read a website entry about her a number of years ago. I was quite curious to hear her singing, and when I did, I was completely blown away by this extraordinary voice and her vivid powers of communication. And for those of you who listen to this podcast, you know how important these things are to me. This voice is an extraordinarily beautiful one, Her technique is really solid. There's a beautiful shimmer in the sound that sometimes almost reminds me of Pilar Loringar. She sings on the lyric side of the voice rather than, as Leontine would say, singing on her vocal principle, but she brings a wealth of interpretive detail and sweeping phrasing, including a glorious top voice. These are all things that I recommend that you all listen for as we explore the legacy of this great African-American soprano. Before we continue with the story of Lenore Lafayette, let me play a portion of the love duet from Act One of Madame Butterfly. In this studio recording from 1958, Lenore Lafayette is joined by the Welsh tenor Richard Lewis as Pinkerton, and John Barbaroli is conducting the Halle Orchestra.
più mio tuo ermita ti serro palpitante sei mio Lafayette was born on the 6th of July, 1926, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
She was always very proud of her provenance and was quick to correct people if they assumed that she was from New Orleans. In the 1930s, there was a relatively thriving, if segregated, community of African Americans in Baton Rouge. Lenora and her sister Dorothy attended one of the only two public schools for black children in Baton Rouge. Early on, both Lenora and Dorothy were known for their beautiful voices and often performed in duet together. When she was in high school, her music teacher took her under his wing. His name was A.E. Carter, and he was the sort of teacher that would do anything to help his gifted students succeed. Upon graduation, and with the encouragement of Mr. Carter, Lenora attended Fisk University. While she was there, she performed her first operatic roles, including Hansel in Hansel and Gretel, the Countess in Marriage of Figaro, and, most impressively, the title role of Madama Butterfly, one of the roles that became a cornerstone of her career. After graduating from Fisk, she tried to enroll at Louisiana State University, but because of the segregation there, she was not able to attend. Far from being discouraged, she moved to New York and auditioned for the Juilliard School. There, she studied with Dusolina Giannini, who herself was a member of a prominent Philadelphia musical family. Giannini is a magnificent singer. I've not yet featured her on the podcast, so I'd like you to hear just a little sample of her extraordinary artistry. This is a recording that she made in 1928 of O Sole Mio. <laughs> No! <laughs> 
Giannini was very taken with Lenora's abilities and took her under her wing, perhaps sometimes a little overprotectively. But on the other hand, she also encouraged Lenora to consider going over to Europe. This proved to be a good move for Lenora as far as her career was concerned. Many times I have talked on the podcast about African-American singers who, unable to gain the status and recognition that they deserved in the United States, made their way to Europe. Let me just count a few of them. Muriel Smith, who I featured on two episodes thus far. Charles Holland, a beautiful tenor who eventually settled in the Netherlands. Gloria Davy, another famous Saida. Lawrence Winters, the extraordinary Verdi baritone, whom we will hear later in this episode. Kenneth Spencer, the American bass, who found increased opportunity if within a prescribed framework. Just last week, I featured the contralto Lucretia West, whose career was based primarily in Germany for the duration of her performing career, and who also became a distinguished professor there. And Carol Bryce's husband, Thomas Carey, also spent a good deal of his career in Europe. These are just a very few. In 1950, Lenora Lafayette applied for a John Hay Whitney Fellowship, a philanthropic organization that served to fund minority-directed community projects. She was awarded $3,000 and booked passage to study in Basel, Switzerland. Almost immediately, she auditioned for the Staatsoper in Basel and was asked to sing the title role in Aida. Her success was so great that she was offered a one-year contract. During that time, she also sang again the role of Madama Butterfly. As I mentioned, we are so lucky to have this recording from 1953 with the great conductor Clemens Krauss leading a very distinguished cast. I'm going to play several excerpts from that Aida. This is from 1953, a year which proved to be decisive in Lenora Lafayette's career. Let's hear a portion of the Ritorna Vincitor, or Als Sieger Kereheim, as it's known in German. This is the portion that begins with the words L'insana parola, di unsege Worte. Aida is, of course, torn between her love for her Ethiopian homeland and her love for Radanes, the favored son of her Egyptian captors.
Aida's rival is the Egyptian princess Amneris, unbeknownst to Amneris. Aida herself is an Ethiopian princess. Amneris is suspicious of Aida's behavior around Radames. After Radames leads the Egyptian army to victory, Amneris tricks Aida into revealing her love for Radames. This is a portion of that wonderful duet. On a personal note, I would like to tell you, I actually sang the role of Amneris with that wonderful drag opera company called La Granchena Opera Company. This was at the very beginning of my career. It was, well, more than 30 years ago now. And I had a wonderful time singing this particular scene opposite the inspired Vera Galupe Borsk, played by Ira Sif, the company's founder. For those of you who are interested, I did a wonderful interview with Ira that I published last June during Gay Pride Week. The Amneris here is the Prague-born Croatian mezzo-soprano Georgine von Milinkovic. She was known in particular for her performances in German opera and was a featured artist at the Bayreuth Festival throughout the 1950s. I don't find her to be an ideal Amneris, and of course it's always a little strange to hear these parts sung in German, but I do think she makes a few points. You'll hear
same year that she made her debut with the Basel Opera, Lenora Lafayette applied for the Geneva Music Competition. Shortly before the event took place, she was struck down with appendicitis, which landed her in the hospital. Somehow, she managed to find the strength to perform in the competition and, in fact, shared the second prize but just get a load of who these singers were that won. First prize was shared by Matawilda Dobbs, the Atlanta-born soprano who went on to a very distinguished career, which included her being the first African-American artist to be offered a standing contract with the Metropolitan Opera. Dobbs shared the first prize with Jennifer Vivian, the British soprano who had such an extraordinary career creating, among other roles, the governess in Benjamin Britten's The Turn of the Screw and Titania in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Lenora Lafayette shared the second prize with the American soprano Teresa Stitch Randall, not a favorite singer of mine, but one who certainly had a very distinguished career based primarily in Vienna. The victory in the Geneva competition increased Lafayette's visibility in Europe. Thus it was that in the early afternoon of January 28, 1953, she received a phone call from Covent Garden. The Dutch singer Gre Provenstein was due to sing the title role in Aida that evening, but was ill and they were desperate to find someone to replace her. Could Lafayette hop on a plane and come to London for a 7 p.m. performance at Covent Garden? She did it. Though the opera was being performed in English, Lafayette only knew it in Italian. So she sang in Italian while the rest of the cast sang in English. The conductor for that performance was John Barbaroli, who also was the conductor of that Madama Butterfly duet that we heard at the beginning of the podcast episode. Amusingly, one of the leading British music critics stated about Lafayette's performance, it did not matter that she knew the role only in Italian when everyone else sang in English. Such tones as she poured out in the exacting Nile scene are eloquent in any language. It almost sounds as if he's taking exception to her singing in the actual language of the opera. But it's true that she was exceptional singing this opera in German as well as Italian. Here's an example from that recording with Clemens Krauss from Munich in 1953. This is the exquisite part of the duet in which she tries to seduce Radames into abandoning Egypt and fleeing with her to Ethiopia. This is a portion of the duet La Triforesti Vergini, or as it's known in this translation, Dort im jungfräulich grünen Wald. Yes, those are not easy words to sing, but you hear how mellifluously she manages. Her tenor here is the Croatian tenor Josef Gostic, who also sang the role of Midas in the stage premiere of Richard Strauss's opera Die Liebe der Danae.
in all of the mad rush surrounding that performance. It was only noted after the fact that in jumping in for Rovenstein, Lenora Lafayette became the first black artist to sing at Covent Garden. And this was two years before Marian Anderson made her color barrier breaking debut at the Metropolitan Opera. Following a second performance at Covent Garden as Aida, Lenora was invited back to portray Madama Butterfly. Most critics received her as ecstatically as Butterfly as they did as Aida, although others expressed some reservations. Lenora Lafayette was now on her way and became a free agent singing in many of the biggest European houses up until the end of her career. In February 1958, she sang the role of Palmyra in a performance of Frederick Delius's opera Coanga. Her co-star on this occasion was none other than Lawrence Winters. We're going to hear several excerpts from that performance, which was recorded for the BBC. The character Palmyra sings the following aria, The Hour Has Come, as she anticipates marriage with Koanga, the African warrior who has just been brought over on a slave ship. Palmyra's mistress, the wife of the plantation owner, and also, unbeknownst to Palmyra, her half-sister, has been promised to Koanga, the warrior, in an attempt to curb and calm his combative spirit.
This next excerpt is of the concerted piece known quite famously as La Calinda. It's primarily known in orchestral form, and yet, as it occurs in the opera, it is a set piece for Palmyra accompanied by the chorus. This is an excerpt from that. The words are, Hail to thee, mighty prince. by the evil overseer, Simon Perez. In a rage, Koanga summons the voodoo gods, calling down a curse on the heads of all of those who are responsible for him losing Palmyra, and he escapes into the forest. In the last act, Koanga has established his own kingdom, where he leads a group of escaped slaves. He has a vision of Palmyra suffering and in great danger. This is a portion of the score where he sings, I hear a far-off cry and sees a vision of Palmyra crying out for help. Voice was alive itself, and I must 
Risking everything and abandoning his kingdom, Kowanga travels back to the plantation to rescue Palmyra. He strikes the evil overseer, Simon Perez, dead, but he is dragged off and beaten to near death. He's brought back on a pallet, and Palmyra sings an extraordinary, almost Wagnerian, quasi-Liebestod, after which she stabs herself. This, again, is one of the most famous portions of the opera. In it, we hear, of course, Lenore Lafayette and Lawrence Winters, and Robert Thomas portrays Simon Perez in his few lines.
by the way, I wanted to mention that for those who wish to support my podcast via Patreon, please consider going to patreon.com slash countermelody for a monthly donation of anywhere from $2 on up. You can gain access to all the bonus episodes that I have posted. I feel so strongly that I want everyone to have access to these very important and not-so-well-remembered singers that I am posting all of the Black History Month episodes as regular episodes. Starting again in March, I will be producing two to three bonus episodes per month. I've already got a wide range of them accessible to my Patreon supporters, and I hope that you will consider joining them as well. Thanks. And now, back to much more important matters. Lenora Lafayette. Unfortunately, Lenora Lafayette never made her mark in the United States. She would, on occasion, travel back to Louisiana, where she encouraged young students, sang in local recitals, and in general was a supportive and beneficent presence. In a 1988 profile that was featured on Louisiana public television, a friend tells the story that she told him that she had been offered a contract by San Francisco Opera in 1953 to sing Michaela. Unfortunately, she did not have the money to book passage from Basel to San Francisco and therefore had to turn down the offer. Of course, one speculates what might have happened had she been able to have a career in the United States. And yet, though the role opportunities were somewhat limited, she did sing hundreds of performances across Europe of Aida and Madama Butterfly. In 1958, she made her single studio recording that was for Puccini duets with the Welsh tenor Richard Lewis, who is, yes, one of my very favorite tenors. Although he's somewhat miscast as a Puccini tenor, he's still in very good voice and makes a very positive impression. The conductor is John Barbaroli, conducting his Halle Orchestra. And, of course, it was he who conducted Lenora Lafayette in her debut at Covent Garden. This is a portion from the duet from Act Two of Puccini's Manon Lescaut. I have been unable to find a breakdown of all of the roles that Lenora Lafayette sang, but she certainly sings this with a great deal of intensity, identification, musicality. I think she's really exceptional. Don't you? 
like to thank Dr. Kyla Pitcher for allowing me to use information from her dissertation on Lenore Lafayette in the preparation of this episode. Dr. Pitcher is currently on the faculty of Alabama A&M University, an HBCU located in Huntsville, Alabama. Thank you again, Dr. Pitcher. My friends, please join me for the rest of Black History Month here and beyond. It's my great privilege to continue to bring you the singers that I love the most, and I certainly include Lenora Lafayette in that number. To close, here is Lenora Lafayette, along with Richard Lewis, impersonating what I consider to be a near-ideal Mimi. This is the Osoa de Fanchula, which ends Act One.
Until next time, my dear listeners, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>